Filmmaker Commentary, episode 141. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Boomerang, directed by Reginald Hudlin, 1992, starring yes. Eddie Murphy yes, and sir. friends. Haha, <laughs> many friends. Uh, what was the box office for this film? So on a $42 million budget, Boomerang was able to gross $131 million globally. That's a win. Absolutely. Wow. Um, any awards? Did this film win any awards? So just one award it came through the BMI Film and TV Awards. It was the award for most performed song from a film. And it went to L.A. Reid, Daryl Simmons, and Kenneth Babyface Edmonds for the song End of the Road. Wow. This film was, yeah, it's nice. Very nice. But before we talk further about Boomerang, let's talk about news, TV, and movies watched. So in the news, according to Variety, Top Gun Maverick has passed Titanic as the seventh highest grossing release in domestic box office history. Whoa, Titanic? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I, who saw that coming? I did not. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it. That's, that's incredible. That is an incredible feat for... I mean, that's, that's an uphill battle. Yeah. A sequel, a, a prolonged sequel. Mm -hmm. To have that kind of success is, this must be a really amazing movie. Neither of, us, neither of us have seen it yet. I've been meaning to. It was one of those ones, kind of like Tenant. It's like, I have to see this at the theater. Um, I've been putting it off. Even when the trailer came out, because it came, the, they were showing the trailer pre-pandemic, right? And uh, I was like, this looks amazing. Like, cause you haven't really seen these angles before in TV, movies, wherever. You just haven't seen it. And I was like, I have to watch this. But uh, yeah, I got to figure it out. Hey. I, had one, I had one of my buddies, he's a military guy. He hit me up like, oh man, it's great. He doesn't even watch movies. Mm. And if this guy is telling me this movie's awesome, then I'm like, okay. That's when you... The streets is watching. Set records. When people that don't normally watch movies will come and see your movie, you might be able to smash your record. But yeah. to be Titanic, I mean, yeah. some of the younger listeners, Titanic held records for a while. That yeah. was... It's still on the list. Yeah, like, it's up it's there. It's number eight now. That's all. And that's Yeah, <laughs> from, from a domestic record standpoint, that's still pretty good. And that's a 20-year record. Yeah. At least, at least 20 years. Yeah. So... Yeah, but that's all I had in the way of news. What kind of TV or movies have you been watching? Anything new? Yes, oh. quite a few new. Uh, okay. So I finally did go to the theaters to see. Nope. Okay. Yep. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's been like the tagline online. People be like, "Yep" or "Nope." Nope. Nope for nope. 
So checked it out in the theaters on, on a week ago, basically. It was Monday. And I, I enjoyed it. It is a film that that makes you think. You have to you have to pay attention. Yeah, it 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 does. You know, there there are some twists and turns of what of, of that subvert maybe your expectations. And the performances are are nice, especially Kiki Palmer. Like yeah. she's she's fantastic in it, and, and Daniel Kalia with his 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 kind of silent stoic, yeah, uh, performance. And some some very interesting subplots that take place as well that I think could make for. Well, I would say an interesting spinoff, but nonetheless, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did, I did enjoy it. It starts off a, a little slow, in my opinion. I felt it started a little slow, but then once it picks up, well, it. Do we want to do a couple of spoilers or something? What are your Ooh. thoughts? It's been in the theater how long? Like three weeks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of stalled out a little bit, didn't it? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Fast forward a few minutes. We're diving into. Nope. So, well, first scene, someone dies by a coin. So I wouldn't necessarily say it starts out slow, but then it, it like it goes there and then slows down. <laughs> mm. You know, because it's like, what what's going on? How does a dude die? A coin? Where'd this come from? Remember? Mm. Um. So yeah, you have the death. It happens like literally the first shot of the film. Um. But yeah, you're right. After that, it's uh, ghost town. Yeah, I, I I dozed off a couple. Of times. I was like, man, I was drinking, I was drinking a coke, and I still, I was like, I was like what is going on? I was like, man, come on. But uh, but then, yeah, when it got going, I was like, oh okay, oh wait a minute, I didn't mm-hmm. expect that to be that. I like the vibe of, you know, why they're trying to figure out what's going on, because uh, they uh, Jordan Peele shot it in IMAX, and like how wonderful that looks on screen at nighttime under like the moonlight and all that. It looks great, man. It feels like you're there with him. Mm. Definitely a spectacle. Um, when you were saying about spinoff, there's a scene in there where we see a chimpanzee beat the brakes off somebody. Off to, a little girl. Yeah. Poor child. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not a good look. Bro. Oh. Yeah, and what makes it more horrific too? You don't see the violence. You know, it's uh, you just see the the results, like the blood on the chimp's hand, and everybody freaking out. It's one of those things where what you don't see is more terrifying than what you could see. Where you see there's a couch, and all you see, you you know, there's somebody who's who's on the other side of the couch because you could see their feet extended past the couch, and then you see the chimp. You see his arms kind of raise above the couch and then come down just boom 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 and they all, they call, of course all the foley and the sound effects then just add to it yeah you're like oh ah it's, it's the sound of just big monkey hands pounding on human flesh and blood flying yes <laughs> and, 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 it, and this you know this pretty well done CGI monkey then yeah. you know comes closer to the other potential victim and then catches somebody else and then he's after them and it's you're not gonna win against a you're not going to win unarmed against yeah. a chimpanzee. Oh, Sorry, son. You're done. Yeah. You're done, son. I felt that part of the movie could have been like just its own situation. It could have been just like a little small film or something. Yeah. Leading up to that horrific event. 
Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Don't get fooled in the size of the style. It's not the size of the fight of the chimpanzee. Oh. It's the strength of the hands, man. Oh my goodness! I don't know if you've been seeing like on on social media and stuff like with these orangutans like grabbing people, like grabbing like their arms and legs, and and like they can't get away in their cage, like just grabbing them. Um, you are going nowhere. Nowhere. They're so they're so smart that um, I don't know what country this is but you know the tourists are like taking these tours and you see these orangutans um the orangutans will grab a woman and hold basically just hold her hostage waiting for snacks and if you don't hurry up and do it they'll like pretend like they're gonna bite the fingers off like these women can't do nothing there's nothing you can do they're, they're just holding on to their wrist like holding them hostage because they're so strong there's nothing you could do even the strongest man can't do anything oh no <laughs> again the, the, their arms are for travel <laughs> yeah, they travel on their damn arms. So you imagine taking the strength that's in your legs, flipping it up to your body. You're done. You're done. You're not going unless they want you to go. They are very, very intelligent. But yeah, but they'll basically hold them hostage for food or inflict pain to get food. It's it's rough. No moral code, man. But Anyhow, nonetheless, nope, 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 nope was enjoyable. So that's one of the things that okay. I finally watched and have okay. been watching. I'm glad you checked it out. Absolutely. What, what else have you been watching? I have a few more things, but what else have you been watching, Reginald? Um, I took my son. It was his birthday this past week. And hey. um, he went, We he wanted to watch Super Pets. Mm, how was that? That was, he enjoyed it. Like okay. he, he was like, I like this. The, um, the, the guy playing Batman, I don't know whose voice that it's is. Kevin Hart. Playing Batman? Oh, sorry. My bad. He plays he plays the, the, the dog of Batman. Yeah. So the whoever's voice that is. So there's a scene where they throw um they're throwing a Superman is throwing a toy, like a dog toy, a chewable, and it's a Batman. And then the dog grabs it and then you see Batman. <laughs> that better be licensed or I'm gonna freak. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that in the trailers. So I'm saying that. Like, I don't know what it is about, like, that character, that Batman version. It is hilarious because he's got a, kind of a slight frown, and then the voice just, like, matches it perfectly. I wonder if, let's see. I'm curious if that's, because I know Will Arnett has played Batman in a couple of, a uh, couple of, in the Lego, in the Lego movies. Okay. Lego Batman, and he, he does an, a fun job of that. Dude, Here we go. It, like, whoever that is, 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 it's perfect. And whoever drew Batman, it matches perfectly. And uh, The Rock as crypto, crypto. Like you can't even tell. You can't even tell. You can tell as The Rock, but you kind of get lost in the character that you don't really see Dwayne Johnson in there. It's like, huh? You'll, you'll never guess who played Batman. Who? <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Are you serious? Yes, sir. <laughs> Keanu Reeves as <laughs> Batman. Oh, well done, Keanu. My goodness. And uh, John Krasinski is playing super, played Superman. What? My son, who I took to the theater, his middle name is Keanu. Ha-ha. Wow. That's great. Oh, that, that makes it even better. Yeah, I definitely want to check out Super Pets. Um, I also, I watched quite a bit of on, on, on the A&E app. They have, they, they've, they've been doing this series of WWE wrestlers called, you know, biography like WWE legends mm -hmm. and this biography is about you know hour hour and a half episodes on just different wrestlers which I've I've watched different stuff that the WWE has produced directly but this in conjunction with any &E, they're really diving into some stuff that 
WWE would kind of protect, but they they just really opened it up. So everything from Macho Man Randy Savage to uh, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Bret Hart, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, which that that one was really really good on on, on Rowdy Piper. So I've just been enjoying a lot. Kurt Angle, his was really good too. Okay, and here's a common theme: drugs. I mean, come the, on. The, the drug use in the wrestling business is absolutely insane, especially with a lot of these wrestlers being around in the in the eighties, well, seventies and eighties. It, it mm-hmm. you know, because the schedule these guys keep is is madness. I mean, wrestling sometimes two to three times a day, and we're talking year round. There is no off season in professional wrestling, and again, while outcomes may be predetermined. Mm-hmm. And while talk may happen as far as how a match is going to go, bumps are real. The bumps you take hitting those mats, and uh, I that, just thought these yeah. guys were superhuman. Like you know, as a kid, you see these big old swole guys like fall on the ground. Like how is that possible? Like it sounds loud. Looks like it hurts. Yeah, they <laughs> they. I mean, obviously, when you go to school, you learn how to fall, how to take the bump. But the damage it, is there, though. Like when you see, um, what's our guy? The blonde hair with the bones. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, and seeing like all the surgeries he has to go through from his back, like all the needles he has to take in his back. Oh, yeah. From all those years, cartilage is just gone. Well, know? from just doing also the same moves over and over again, like him dropping that leg. Yeah. But like these these episodes have been really, really good. And the, the history they give behind the, the people themselves yeah. and their careers, I, I've been very impressed. And so I'm, I'm steady working through that series. They're on season two now. And every Sunday night on A&E, they have a new episode. Like, I think this past one was Lex Luger, mm-hmm. who, I mean, he's in a wheelchair now. He And that guy used to be, they used to call him a total package because he was yeah. huge. But uh, but it's also it, it's also quite tragic because so many of these wrestlers don't, li- don't go past 60 years. Oh. And he, even Rowdy Piper said, he, I don't expect to live past 60. And, but... He made it to sixty one before he passed away. Okay, which is still pretty young in 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 the grand scheme. But nonetheless, so I've been watching that as well. I also watched today. I watched Cherry, which is, is a movie that? that it's a movie directed by the Russo brothers. Okay, starring Tom Holland. Okay, where he plays a a young man. It's based on a partially a true story who goes off to war. He's in the uh, the Gulf War, not the, no, no, the Afghanistan War, mm-hmm. and comes back, ends up getting hooked on drugs. He and his wife end up getting like hooked on drugs. It's it's he's phenomenal in this. Time like ahead. this is this is not this is not him playing Peter Parker. This is Spider-Man? Peter Parker of his of his life went terribly wrong <laughs> and got hooked on drugs well, and started I mean, robbing banks. I saw the last you know the last film was pretty depressing towards the end. Yeah, there was some there was some definite sadness there, but this dude, oh man, it's oh, excellent. Like the Russo brothers, I tip my hat to you both, Tom Holland mm-hmm. and to his co-star, fantastic job. It's I mean it's, it's brutal. I mean we know Tom has strength, but this is showing him this is the darker side of him in his performance that you haven't seen before. He goes to a very very dark place, but it is it is excellent. It's called wow. Cherry, streaming on Apple TV. Okay. Uh, then lastly, I also watched brand new on Hulu, the movie Prey, which is basically a almost like a prequel to the Predator movies. Oh, this is supposed to be based on their very first encounter on Earth. I've been seeing, and they the come across a, a Cheyenne uh, 
almost as a Cheyenne tribe. And yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing the marketing it was, on that. It was it was pretty it was pretty decent. I won't say it was great, but it was it was pretty pretty and it's decent. just a movie? Yeah. Okay. It's a movie. What? They keep going back to that uh IP. Yeah, there is I mean the first one's so good. What can you do? I think there are still possibilities that haven't been scratched when it comes to the Predator franchise. I didn't see the second to last one that they made or where it was I don't know. It was the most recent one. I didn't seem like it went that well. Oh, yeah, because you had, what did we see? We saw the first one, of course. Then you had the one after that with uh, Danny Glover. And then you had mm-hmm. Predators. Which I thought that, that was decent. That was solid. Executive yeah. produced by Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez mm-hmm. And then I didn't see the one after that, which is like yeah, the Predator has a Predator that's bigger. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I haven't watched any of the Alien versus Predator ones either. Oh yeah, I don't, watch any I don't even know if those count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, they're not they're not chasing humans. I'm like, hmm, nah. what's going on here? Not invested. <laughs> uh, so this new one is supposed to be a prequel, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's just just one one Predator singular, hmm. and um, yeah, doing this doing this thing. It was yeah, it was nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like with those with. With uh, certain IP, it's like, all right, that's that's a good one-off, but let's not dive too deep here because it, <laughs> you know, like sometimes the story hasn't been fleshed all the way out like that. Where like, okay, this can live on for forever. True, but uh, it's funny when you know people got to come up with these backstories. Well, I mean, they've they've flushed out. I mean, Predators, it's it's a, I guess a fairly bankable IP. Yeah, to do a lot because these are. Hunters mm-hmm. and they hunt across the galaxy. Now it's it's most fun when they're hunting humans. <laughs> so it's like, what kind of scenarios can you create, and how how does man serve? You know, we're so used to being the alphas on this planet. Yeah. How do we survive against intergalactic hunters who are far more powerful than the average man who collect skulls of freaking xenomorphs? Oh yeah, the creatures that bleed acid. Good luck. It's a collectible. <laughs> Ripping out spines. You should be afraid if that's a trophy in someone's room. You should be terrified. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. So uh, me and the wife, we on on Amazon Prime, there's been like this marketing for this show called Paper Girls. It's like these four young ladies, and they're probably same age group as like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And this takes place in the 80s. Mm-hmm takes place in the 80s and then something happens and these young girls who are you know about to be in high school middle school high school um, are transported to 2019 Mm. and uh, they see their you know their grown up selves it's very interesting but like the vibe feels like stranger things but from like a girl's perspective it's like kind of like the vibe I get from it so far so good we've been enjoying it about three episodes in based off a graphic novel Ah, that's very true. Now, yeah, because I'd, I'd heard about Paper Girls a while back. I think it won an Eisner Award, which is like the top award in the comic book genre field. Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard rumbles about it, and I thought it was being turned into into a a series. So I have to give that a peek. Because I did, I did see mm-hmm. some uh, advertisements for Paper Girl. Yeah, Paper Girl, Paper Girls. Girl, Paper Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I think sometimes with. Um, so it's good, but it's funny when, 
like a, a show can be kind of too self-aware. It's like if I was a, so it kind of starts out like if I was a boy, if I was a man, like you hear like some of that dialogue, uh-huh. but then once they get over that, you know, to get that out of the system, then you can kind of go on for the ride. Uh-huh. But you know, you kind of got to get your political stuff out the way. Got to say it for the culture, get it out the way. And then you can follow along. <laughs> but, uh, so far, so good. Yeah. Did you get a chance to check out Devs? Did I see it? Did I see oh, a clip? You know, I forgot to. Buy. I was actually watching that uh, when you, the second episode when you when you arrived. Oh, okay. So okay. yes, I'm uh, one and a half episodes in. Thoughts so far? I don't even know what happened. I forgot what happened. I don't know what's going on. Well, I don't want to give anything. Well, you've seen it. Okay. But, uh, I saw the first episode, and so we know there is a mysterious death mm-hmm. and some surroundings as well. At least to to the the girlfriend of the. The deceased. Okay, she's trying to figure out. So there's a mystery that's that's unfolding. There's okay. a lot of questions, and uh, seeing my man Ron, not Ron. What's what's my guy's name? Yeah. One of the one of the main actors in it. He's uh, the one playing the CEO. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very familiar face. Yeah. He he was he was on um, Parks and Rec. He played a guy named Ron. But he's been doing his thing. I've been seeing him in more and more stuff, and I can't think of his freaking name right now, but. Yeah, and also the young the young lady that's there in the show with him, she's all kind of his second in command or whatever. Yes. She was on that fantastic show on HBO Newsroom. Oh, and she was also in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, absolutely. We are sex by bomb. <laughs> One, two, nine, one. She was the drummer. That is a surprisingly great movie. I'm gonna have to revisit that one. I'm gonna have to watch it. You again. introduced me while. to that one and. That was surprisingly good. I didn't expect you're, it to be good. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. It was it was highly underrated. It, it didn't give the kind of love it should have had in the theaters. I mean, it was it's a even though again based on a graphic novel, it was I didn't I didn't know anything about him until I saw the commercials and I watched that one in the theater and that was oh that was awesome in the theater. It was like <laughs> wow, especially with the coins when they go the yeah. coins spread out everywhere. I was like, yeah, this is. The fanboy wet dream right here. This is <laughs> movie magic. Yes, sir. And uh, today's show is sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Grind Over Matter Films. Available to stream on all black TV and now for free on Tubi. Please check it out and leave a review. And now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Boomerang, directed by Reginald Hudlin, 1992. Let's jump into the synopsis. When marketing executive and all-around ladies' man Marcus Graham meets his match in the boardroom and the bedroom, he finds himself falling in love with the ambitious and beautiful Jacqueline. Now vulnerable and exposed for the first time, true love might come from an unexpected someone. Is it too late for Marcus to learn that when it comes to love, what goes around? comes around boomerang written by casey g smith hey and if this is your first time listening to filmmaker commentary please know that there will be spoilers you've been forewarned how did you watch this film have you watched it before and then how did you get how did you obtain a copy haha <laughs> yes i had watched it before 30 years ago wow in the theater like what family we oh went, yes we went, went to the theater yeah we went and saw this one in the theater um, I think it was like a Saturday, like a Saturday matinee kind of thing. We went downtown Columbia Mall, Grand Forks, downtown Grand Forks, and mm-hmm. we yeah we watched this one in the theater. 
and I hadn't seen it since. So yeah. literally, it's been over thirty years. But to revisit it, I, I didn't realize how robust this cast was. Yeah, uh, and just I'm like, oh man, I, I, I mean, I remember obviously Eddie and Hallie and <clears throat> excuse me, and also uh, Robin Gibbons. Mm-hmm. I remember all. I remember all of them. I can't we <clears throat> not forget. Go ahead. <laughs> but I forgot about all the other co-stars. Right. Oh, not, uh, and Grace Martin. Jones. Oh, Grace Jones. I've totally forgotten Martin was in this film. Again, Are you it's, it's, I mean, I didn't. He wasn't. That's I true. didn't know him. Then he was just a. He was just a. Yeah, another guy. And then uh, David Allen Greer, Living Color. Totally. Yeah. Even though we watched that, I for, I forgot a lot about this film. <laughs> I haven't watched it in thirty years. So. Right. That's, that's, that's a while. But uh, it was wonderful to revisit it, and I attained my copy of Blu-ray via Amazon. I um, So this movie, I really didn't watch this movie. Like, I knew about it, new scenes. I mm-hmm. like this one of those films. I remember when it dropped, though, because my cousin, we're the same age, his name is Marcus. And so his parents went to go watch it. We were just little kids. Like, you know, it was, eh, maybe not this, not this time, guys. Um, plus, it didn't feel like we were missing out on anything because it's like, man, it's, what is this? You know, <laughs> you know? bunch of people dating. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what boys watch. You know, it just wasn't on our radar. We were watching Ninja Turtles that movie. Sure. Uh, Ninja, what year did that go come Ninja out? Go. By the way, um, but I remember um, them coming back from the theater and it was like, yeah, Marcus, Marcus, darling, and saying all this stuff, and so like we <laughs> we couldn't connect it, but I remember. Marcus, that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember them. Wow. <laughs> that needs to be a sound bite. Oh man! Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, be. sorry about that. That was. Whew. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so I, that's what I remember. I remember the vibe, you know, like you can kind of tell if a movie is successful. People are talking about it. It's in, you know, it's in pop culture. People are referencing it. There's new language that comes out of the movie. True. And so that was the Marcus Darling and things like that were kind of popping around. Mm, it's just in the cultural zeitgeist. Yes. So much so where you maybe thought you had seen it, but hadn't actually seen it. No, not at all. That's I did awesome. see that last scene though, um, like just the the um, the scene where he gets the girl, you know, uh-huh. Eddie Murphy gets the girl, and the music that the wasn't Dawn and PMD or oh baby you send me that's a beautiful baby, song. PM Dawn back in the day, and man, that was a beautiful that was beautiful psychedelic R and B hip hop. Something. Say what? The guy's song, the the guy's voice who's singing on that reminds me of uh, Sampha. The guy, there's an artist, uh, UK artist named Sampha, just has a voice of an angel. Mm. <laughs> Their vibe was so was so so mellow, so chill. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I gotta send you some stuff mm. like Sampha stuff, but do uh, that. He he's on the uh, "Don't Touch My Hair" uh, the what Solange? He's singing like the background vocals on the Solange "Don't Touch My Hair." Uh-huh. But uh, cool, chill vibe. Any rate, tangent. This time around, went to Movie Trading Company, bought the Blu-ray, 
Uh, actually, like when I was going or shopping for probably Men's Society or one of the other films, when I saw this and I was like, oh, snap, it's got commentary. And it's Reginald Hudlin? Yes, sir. Oh, we might have to take a look-see. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Reginald Hudlin, he's also known for his first film, House Pate. Man, one of my favorites growing up. That was a, that was abs- absolute uh, gem. Yeah, kid in play. Yeah, that that film was on. We watched that on VHS, and that was just on replay at all times during summertime in the house. That was always playing. You know what I find interesting? Just thinking about the '90s, just right now, just thinking about kid in play. Just and we've kind of touched on this before, but man, just how many rappers made this crossover into movies and TV? Yeah, in the '90s. Yeah. You know, Ice T, yeah, Ice Cube, <laughs> Vanilla uh, Ice, <laughs> Conan, Conan, <laughs> sure, Vanilla Ice. Um, you know, Will Smith, obviously. Yeah, um, the Fat Boys had they had their film in the they 80s. had a song, Dis- they had a movie. Disorder, Disorder sure Lease. Uh, that was funny. Yeah, well, I used to look forward to seeing that one pop up. Uh, then, of course, you know, we're we're talking about. Um, yeah, Kid and Play. Mm-hmm. And there were plenty of cameos with, with other rappers. Then, of course, when we watched Mr. Society, right, we had Too Short and Yo-Yo. Yeah. And uh, the other guy who had a pretty prominent role in the film. MC8. MC8. And those people were kind of just playing themselves, just like, hey, just, just be yourself. Just turn it up a little bit, Yo-Yo, or turn it down a little bit, MC8. Exactly. Tupac, of course. Oh, you know, that's like probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, arguably one of the, one of the more successful, more, more convincing yeah, Mark Wahlberg would probably be the most successful of all. Oh, yeah. I think Will would have him beat though. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, I think I think Will would. I mean, Mark Mark is mad successful, but I think Will's body of work, yeah, surpasses. Yeah, Wahlberg's. Yeah, but Wahlberg's also done a lot of producing. It's a different too. path, I think. But as far as like now, they're just Hollywood people now, you know, yeah, versus like. There right. are generations who don't know that they <laughs> were with the Funky Bunch or with DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. Like, are these guys doing music too? Are they, are they studying a music career? No. This is the roots. You, I would agree though. Um, Will Smith has like probably the almost perfect career. Won the first uh, Grammy. Yeah. For, for the rap album. And then just recently won an Oscar. For real. Oh. Hey. The pinnacles of both careers. That's uh, mighty impressive. He he right. he been he been swinging for that Oscar for a while, <laughs> right? But, but finally got it. But Tell yeah. the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> but yeah, just very interesting in, in the '90s to see how many of these hip hop artists segued into acting. Yeah, uh, when I think about our last film with the uh, Hughes brothers, um, and then kind of uh, juxtaposing it with. You know Reginald Hudlin, and he, you know, then he directed lad house party with his brother. Excuse me, I don't, I'm not not sure. Okay, but uh, but just kind of seeing that, well, him and his brother though, they they, they, they like make their cameos. They made their cameo in a uh, house party. Remember, they were the ones with the like basket in the middle of the alley. This dude has like a hair dryer on. They're just like running from the cops, and <laughs> they say I, freeze, been- freeze, Negroes, and then. <laughs> They let go of this shopping basket, and then the car, uh, a TV that was in the cart falls onto the police car Ooh. and cracks the windshield. 
Uh, but anyhow, that was like the. I haven't, I haven't watched House Party. Uh, like, sorry, that was from just watching it over and over again. Oh. Uh, <laughs> again, I haven't seen House Party in a freaking long time. Uh, but but well done. Like you go back to and look at it, like perfect execution. Um, and that kind of vibe is in Boomerang. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, but I I kind of see two different kind of worlds. You know, we see like the the Hughes brothers and like how they're showing black life from their perspective. And then you see uh, Hudlin uh, from his perspective and how he's telling his stories, both black stories, but just a different perspective on it. I think it's interesting when you hear about, I think with the Hughes brothers, I forget where they went to film school, but I think it was somewhere local within the LA area. I don't think the only USC. Thing. Did they go USC? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but still like within California where you hear Hudlin, he went to what Harvard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Different world. Slightly, slightly different experience. Slightly. And even when he's given his commentary, he's, I mean, both filmmakers reference different classic films, right? The right. Hughes brothers were, you know, were mentioning Scorsese films, things like that. And Hudlin, again, when he's giving his commentary, he's mentioning different classic actors that, mm-hmm. that he had inspiration from. So it's, uh, again, you, you continue to borrow. Yeah. Got to continue to borrow. Uh, but I do see myself, uh, especially younger, kind of pulled more towards the the Hudlin stories. Then, mm-hmm. as I got older, kind of being pulled into the Hughes stories. Um, it just seemed like Hudlin's perspective is kind of more from the black middle class, mm. and I felt like that kind of spoke to me a little bit more, you know, subconsciously. Sure. Um, what did you like or not like about the film? I really like this cast. I mean, this is a this is a powerhouse cast. This is this is like a, a time capsule moment. Yeah. You want to see some of our best and brightest. Eddie Murphy, Robin Givens, Halle Berry. Wow. Uh Martin Lawrence. David Allen Greer. David Allen Greer. Chris Rock. Tisha Campbell. Oh. Yeah. Um Grace Jones. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, wait, what? And then Eartha small Kitt. cameos. Eartha Kitt. M- Melvin Van Peebles. Ah, man, as soon as I saw him in the editing room with the cigar, I said, I know who that is. Mm. Uh, and the, the fact that it's a scene where it's like some nudity, I was like, that's just perfect for Melvin. We got the perfect cameo for you, Melvin. <laughs> yeah, this is, again, a powerhouse cast. And just, I mean, as far as, Again, kind of like Minister Society, to have a—I mean, an all-black cast, yeah, a black film. I mean, again, not even sometimes you you get a, a quote-unquote black film with a predominantly black cast, but then you may still have a a, a white uh, character within making their kind of way through. I thought you were about to say a white director. Oh well, that happens sometimes too. Color purple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, these things happen. These things. These things happen too. <laughs> <laughs> but all black cast, all black director. But this, I mean, there's there's like one white person with a speaking role, I think, and that's just the guy in the store. In the store. In the men's oh, store. Oh, that's right. Or some of the uh, Frenchmen that come in, some oh, of the Europeans. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, pretty limited. It's just like, yeah, all black everything. Yeah. And that's just like, hey, look at that. And everybody is successful. Doing their thing, like working corporate America, yeah, living their life, and you see 
various shades, various personalities, not monolith. And it's crazy like, because pretty excellent. Because like even though we see it's like, hey, this is all black or whatever, or but that's kind of how real life is in a way, you know, because of how our cultures are. So it's like if you're hanging around, you know, you you've grown up around your Korean family, or you know, more than likely the people that you're hanging around is going to be probably part of that culture. Sure. And if you throw a camera in there, you know, that's what you're going to see that day. Slice of life. <laughs> yeah. So it's um. It's crazy sometimes we think about that, you know, but it's actually just normal. Yeah. But it's 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 nice to see it portrayed and Eddie was the, you know, the the right guy at the right time. Yeah. With the audience that he had. And yeah, man, it just feels it feels good. This is this is a very this is a very good movie. I like to see and, and it definitely a, a different feeling than what we felt the previous week with Menace to society. A little, little different. A little, little, slightly. A little different. <laughs> slightly more optimistic ending for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and it's something like sometimes you can be proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, it just has a personal color. Just like, wow, okay, cool. There is a film that exists out there that doesn't have to be explicit, blah, 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 blah. You know, sure. Fill in the blank. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Well done. So, I the the transfer. I don't know if it was true for your Blu-ray, but the transfer was terrible compared to the Criterion of Menace Society. Mm. Watching the transfer on my Blu-ray, it was not up to par, man. Mm. Like you can see the grain, you can tell. Like uh, even though they were kind of promoting for it now in 4K, it seems like the I don't know how they transferred it, but it was for me. It wasn't well done. Like you could, t- it, it looked dated. Mm. When you look at it, uh, compared to when we saw Men's Society, it was like, this could have been shot yesterday. Or Love Jones, like, this could have been done yesterday. This looks huh. great. So from a quality standpoint, I felt like that dated it, you know. Um, but what I did like is that it this movie is still funny. Yes. <laughs> like, I was dying on a few of those scenes. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I also liked. I, lo- I liked the wardrobe. Yeah. And this Eddie man, Eddie is he was fly, wasn't he? Sharp to the nines, you know. It's it's definitely nineties style. Like when you get that that single button, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, collar, which it, what it means it's not not a traditional collar. There's no edges to it, if you will. Nothing that, that kind of hangs off, but it's just one connect, almost like a priest collar, where it just boom connects uh, the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, man, he's wearing some fly outfits and just yeah, the wardrobe is is excellent. On point um the commentary uh you know there was a commentary w- with reginald hudlin i think it's very informative i've heard him speak a uh, very intellectual uh director person and uh I, from the beginning to the end he was just like he was just on point with it and he's he's very personable like he's obviously highly intelligent knows his stuff again the man went to harvard as we said several times yeah he's also he's also a, a nerd slash geek yeah. you know i mentioned last episode that i'd watched a, a documentary on milestone comics and their resurgence he initially was offered a chance to join milestone back in the back in the 90s but he was just starting his film career at the time mm-hmm. and then when they revised it he said, okay, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. And now he's a part of that and helping mentor the next generation of, of creatives in, in that area. And he's also at one point was, I think, head of BET. Oh, that's right. So, because I mean, this, 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 is a, this is a bad man we're messing with. For sure. Bad because, man. Because um, remember, BET had the Black Panther, like an animation. Mm-hmm. And he was part of producing that. 
Well, I think he 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 wrote some some issues of, right. of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he he may have been the one. I don't want to. I don't want to mix them. But yes, he actually did some writing on Black Panther as well. Wow. Um, but yeah, he's staying busy. <laughs> he's like you and me combined together. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, what kind of any special features? Because I only listened to the commentary. Did you see anything? You didn't miss nothing. It's really? slim. It's slim pickings. Okay. I mean, literally, there's just there's a commentary, and there's a couple of extended scenes with optional director commentary on those, and. It's I mean, we're talking real quick stuff that they that they trimmed away mm-hmm. that inconsequential. There's nothing you're not missing anything. It'd be, it would it would have been nice to have a a making of kind of docky thing, but no, it's Reginald spills a, a good amount of information in the commentary, so you can kind of get what you need from that. But it, it it would be nice to have some interviews from the actors, things right. like that. But you might be able to scoop up some of those from the the, the YouTube. I like uh, after getting a dose of the Criterion Collection. I'm like, like you have to have a whole film crew come back and <laughs> you know and re and shoot everybody, get it. Like that's a whole production. I would love to see a reunion, like on stage of of, of these actors, like a 30th anniversary reunion Bro. interview. That would be can just. You, can you imagine, man? All that talent. Just listening to like Eddie Murphy, Martin, and David Allen Greer, I would just listen to an hour of them talking. And Chris Rock too. That's right. Oh, come on now, Marcus. Fuck, you go to. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> we look up to you. <laughs> I think the tone of this story, um, it it starts out as soon as soon as the titles are 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 popping up, you hear the you know this this is a story about a famous dog. Mm. A dog that just chases his tail, and then just like a just a famous tune that you know black culture knows about, you know. Oh yeah, cute dog stepping to that all day. Mm, I remember the f- first time my dad played that in his in his music room. I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> my dad would, would tell me back in the day, you know, when the drop they had a, a dance called the dog that they would do. I was like, "Wow, whoa." I'm a sign being like, and then of course it started, you know, a lot of that P funk started resurging. Yeah, in the '90s, especially, especially with the, on the West Coast scene, and especially with with Dre and Snoop. Oh yeah, yeah, it was everywhere. That's the G funk era. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I kind of felt from a tone because you have that that comes in, and then you have like the jazz of like there's a title sequence of Boomerang, so it kind of felt jazzy. Almost like 007 kind of mm. music. And then when it leaves the title sequence and goes to like the opening sequence where we see this uh, corporate building, it's like some hip hop, like modern at the time hip hop playing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 90s. <laughs> I was like, man, they put like three songs together in like a minute and a half. How they. So it's funny you should say that those three different styles of, of music. But I have for tone. I said it's funny, sexy, and cool. Ah, TLC. Crazy, sexy, cool. Oh yeah. But this one is funny, Sorry sexy, and cool. I think that like all three of those, like tonal wise, like they they hold that down throughout. I agree. For they, sure, they manage to to balance all of that. What kind of style do you think uh, Reginald was establishing in this film? Uh, I think 
I think one thing that sometimes doesn't get talked about enough, especially when you're when you are capturing people of different skin tones, mm-hmm. is you know lighting everybody where they all look great and everybody looks great. We have various shades of melanin on screen. Oh yeah, everybody looks absolutely fantastic. But also even of course using and really displaying New York as the backdrop mm-hmm. that they were there on location shooting that and having. Sometimes things look grandiose. Like there's that one scene where Jacqueline's character is walking away from Marcus after they had, you know, landed things big. Right after the, the French investors or, or board members had left, yeah, she's walking, and then you know the, the area is very open and wide. Same right. thing when Marcus first goes to the office, you can kind of see the grandiose uh, grandioseness of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some things where things are big and open, and there's more intimate and, and close scenes i've seen you know, like with the love scenes things like that but it's i don't know it's just it's just all beautifully shot mm-hmm. how about you um he had a lot of long long takes and yeah well from a director or photography standpoint you know if like the the lighting was even it made him look beautified um but like for example there was a scene uh call, i call it the after bath scene so as all that mayhem happens in this boardroom with Grace Jones's character, um, they're all walking out. All right, we've all right. We come up with the name of the perfume and everything like that, and we, when they're walking out, we dolly back with uh, Marcus and Jacqueline, and Marcus comes up to our to our camera frame right, sits down, and he's like it's like a profile shot, but we see like the front of uh, Robin Garrett. Jacqueline Robin Gibbons character and she's talking about like you know good job and stuff like that and then he was like yeah we need to you know go through this over dinner and stuff uh-huh. like that but that whole scene is like done in one take mm. and and he just holds it so like there's a lot of that like Spielberg does that a lot and you can, so you kind of get that style in it you don't see that often mm. these days it's almost like if someone does like a whole take it's almost like they want to bring attention. I did this in one take. And an example is, you know, the men's society, when we see them walk through the house, yeah. you know, you know, and do all that. It's like, it's a big event for this long take. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it's more of like a classic style. Okay. So the music was composed by Marcus Miller. Um, Who also did House Party as well. Ah, uh, well. Yes, sir. He took a, uh, Reginald took a lot of people from the previous film. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And I think also the cinematographer was brought over from, Eddie brought them over from Harlem Nights. Okay. Okay. Man, pretty, pretty cool. Then I got Tisha Campbell, Martin Lawrence from House Party. She was, Tisha Campbell was hilarious. I, I, again, (laughs) totally forgot she was in this, but she was, Marcus, Marcus, just, Going in. He dog, girl. He dog. What, you brought my weight? My height? Yeah. Doggy stuff. Oh, man. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was putting Saw all in his game. Man. Just. She like, you want to come get some coffee? Not even if Jesus was pouring it. Some mother. Don't even know a good thing. <laughs> just going Jump in. Jump off the bridge. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. She was, she was, she was great. What kind of themes came from this film uh theme wise i have a theme of real love uh the player gets played by the lady boss yeah by lady bosses i'm gonna go plural Ooh. on that one hey. Hey. and uh and is it black friendship 
Huh. I could just say friendship, couldn't I? You can. Let's just say friendship. But black friendship. There's something special about friendship when it's black. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a friend. Um, a black friend. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, it's in the title. You know, it's boomerang. It, you know, what goes around comes. I didn't get it when I was a kid. Just shot in Australia. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> just clueless. Uh, but yeah, it's in a title and it's cool when sometimes I'm about the titles like, okay, do we want to be ambiguous with this title? Are we an auteur or are we going to just tell them what it is, you know, in mm. a way. And so, you know, for marketing reasons, I think that's important uh, for commercial films. Um, so from a directing point of view, uh, Reginald Hudlin talks about how um, he feels that the, the visual summation of the film is when we see uh, Marcus Graham after being used by Jacqueline, you know, for his sex, <laughs> uh, like just being like violated, you know, and you can see it in that in that whole frame where he's pulling up the blanket over, like covering himself, which was totally Im- impromptu, improv. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't in the script, but but Reginald loved it. And he felt that that encapsulated the like you said the whole vibe of the film. Yeah, things yeah. being flipped on Marcus and he being boomeranged. Man, player getting played like it don't feel good, does it? But Eddie, Eddie, I mean, kudos to Eddie Murphy. He really does show himself as so vulnerable. And you know, before we, you know, it was always you know working up the comedy and it could be wild. You know, we we saw him in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh man, he's always on top of things and in control. And even in this, he starts off on top, in control, absolute player. Yeah, and he's got the money, he's got the intelligence, but he's super picky. Like he's he's looking for something, but he gets he gets turned off. Whether it's you know hammer ham, ham time on the feet or <laughs> whatever it might be, but then he finally literally meets his match, where they're competing, and this woman this woman is dominating him. Yeah, you know even in work, like she like they, he he's so sure he's got the job as being yeah. head of marketing. And she's like, uh, must be a misunderstanding because yeah. I'm the head of marketing. Yeah, which makes sense because it was a merger and that company took over the other company. So we're going to use our people. But he's like, but lady so-and-so, she doesn't have any power. That was great. She oh. was like, she hasn't been in this business 15 Marcus, years. I'm not wearing any underwear, Marcus. She's a nice lady. <laughs> just because just cause somebody comes in with any draws on doesn't mean we've done something. That doesn't mean I've done anything. Oh, <laughs> Marcus! <laughs> <laughs> There's something also to the film about some of the sound effects uh-huh. that they use. Even like when we initially see Marcus, though we hear the beginning of the the intro to uh, Atomic Dog, yeah. But then when we see Marcus, you, know, yeah. you hear those dog. Even at times when he sees different women, you Arr! we hear yeah. like the literally the dog inside Oof. of him. Yeah, that's the theme. And it's funny that the the, the the woman known for for uh, you know having played Catwoman before yes is the kind of the first one to kind of get over on him yeah and that kind of starts a downward spiral that's actually kind of brilliant why must know? he be like that why must he chase the cat it's funny when like like men when we see women and how we zone in like that's like Ruff, like and then like they said the sound effect and this like the focus that this character has when he sees prey yeah. And it's like it's like a, a breaking conversation. It's like, oh, yo, excuse me a moment, I've got to go. 
make this beeline. I got to yeah. go out of my way to go. And again, even Jacqueline, when he first approaches her, she subverts it and plays it off. And she, she literally laughs in his face at his, yeah. at his game. Yeah. It's yeah. She's Robin Gibbons is, is she's the alpha in this and True. Uh, a, a killer. True. Indeed. Black widow. Ooh. <laughs> you know what they do with their partners after they're done with them? Like a praying mantis. Um, oh, also from like a director's point of view, what um, uh, Reginald was saying was that uh, he was talking about sex scenes because sex scenes and all this stuff, it's everybody's always awkward about it. Sure. For the most part. Uh, but he said like the actors didn't really, it didn't really bother them. You know, sometimes you see the ones that are apprehensive and got to mm-hmm. close down the set 100% and try to, you know, do things. But um, he said he wanted it to, he wanted like with the sex thing, he wanted to feel like they were like really doing it. Yeah. You know, he, said, he I, says he hates the slow, when they do the slow motion yeah. stuff, he goes, no, I want them to, you know, like they were really having sex. He goes, I don't know if they were really having Bro, sex and not upset. When he said that, he's like, I don't know if they're having it. I was like, wait a second. We have to talk about this. I was like, that's pretty funny. I said, we have to talk about this. Because there's got to be. These are the days where there were no no uh, sexual supervisors. Well, I don't. Yeah. But like if two actors say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. You know, and um, and then on top of that, uh, Hudlin kind of hinted to like they might have dated in the dated, past. Yeah, previously. Yeah. So it's like if that shortcut is there already. I still would think that they're as professionals. They're, you can get unprofessional real quick. That's, that's speaking of professionalism. He was an hour late every day. He's Eddie Murphy. He, 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 I'm just he, saying he was he was he was like he was that guy though. He could I Eddie know. Eddie was living his best life. He was. <laughs> and here's the thing: like he's late, but he's absolutely going to come through. He's 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 the MJ of 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 acting at that time. It's like yeah, I'll get there when I when I. But get I'm there. saying but if you can I get away up, with that, I mean. You can get away with anything, almost. As long as it, yeah. if it, especially if it's in um, in favor of the film. That's true. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So I, th- I think I, I think he just threw that in there to kind of you know, <laughs> kind of stir things up. Uh, because there's you know there's there's movies where people are actually, you know, the actors in in studio films have actually done it. Sure, you can find top ten list of of such such. Uh, and so it's Incidents. not above, you know, Hollywood. But it is, it's interesting when, you know, you don't know that they are and they are, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, who knows, right? We don't know. End of the day. There's no the, way. The, sheet over the people that know, they know. The people that know were there. And they're like, hey, That's hey, true. it is what it is. That's true. Uh, but I just thought that was funny when he said that. Um, so, hey, that's actually very possible. Yeah, anything's possible. <laughs> that's very possible in Hollywood, especially at that time. Um, do you have like any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? Well, yes, I do. Okay, first one, Eartha Kitt. Yeah. The great Eartha Kitt. R.I.P. So for those of you who may not be familiar with her work, you heard the, the original version of the song Santa Baby. I think she was the first one to, to sing that. Man. So there's there's that. Hollywood legend. Mm-hmm. Then there's the old... 1966 Batman show with Adam West. She was the, I think she was the original. No, I could be wrong. I think Julie Newmar was the original. And then 
Eartha Kitt came in or, or vice versa, but she was on that show. Cause she, guess what? That, 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 like that purr, like that's her all day. And it comes from her playing Catwoman back then. Yeah. Um, and she's been in other things. She's, I'm sure she's been on stage. She kind of has that kind of presence. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's a solid professional. You go back and look at just Google her images, just all the stuff that she was into, you know, having the athleticism to do the things that she was doing. Yeah. And when you, when you see her in the scene where she's in her, her, Lingerie. She's in phenomenal shape still. Right. I think she was in her late sixties or maybe early seventies at the time. Right. And uh, yeah, there was you know just funny stuff going on. Even when she's doing the dinner with with Eddie and she, mm-hmm. I forgot whatever she was eating. She came up with some gag. They took some asparagus. Stuff, yeah, the asparagus that she was being very suggestive with. Even though there was some stuff that she originally wasn't. She thought was too crass, and they made some adjustments. But she still. Was game for the character you know, being the cougar yeah. uh, that she was, and, uh, and, and, and Eddie Eddie was really nervous in real life, and so Reginald used that nervousness to play into Marcus's character. Uh, it, yeah, it was just it's, hilarious. It's rough. Yeah. I mean, he basically in this whole scene, you know, Eartha Kid is basically um, she, um, Robin Gibbons' character basically says that she's kind of like detaching, like kind of in her own world, even though she's not really involved with this. Uh, company, she's like kind of like the figurehead of, of it. It's named after face, her. the mascot, you know, for, for this company, but she's not actually running it. And, um, but Marcus thinks that she is. <laughs> and so, Lady Eloise is her name, and that's the company's name. And Marcus right. assumes that she is that over the company still, <laughs> not realizing that again, 15 that, years. Yeah, that not, she had sold it and is just. She's there for show, yeah, but has no real power, and and she preys off that, yeah, and so plays plays Marcus. Hence, why the 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 butler is just chuckling at Marcus the dude. whole night. So like she's just setting him up this whole time, and in his brain, he's just thinking he's going to get this job, win, and so he's taking one for the team. I'm gonna sleep. He's with this. taking one for himself. Yeah, well, yeah, team Marcus, gigolo. Uh, <laughs> So he's like, you know, you could just see the like just discomfort on his face. He's thinking he's gonna have to do this for his promotion. Like, how many people, you know, in in these different industries have been in that position where it's just like, okay, Harvey, you know, the Harvey Weinstein probably being the most. This famous. is a, this is a role reversal. Traditionally, yeah. it's it's often we hear about you know women being in compromised positions to do a sexual favor to to get a role, a promotion, whatever it might be. But in this instance, it's Marcus. Yeah. Who is, is is being seduced and and tricked into getting a position that's not even for him? Right. That's the part that's like even worse. You feel more like trash because the thing that was promised to you is not even possible. It's not even. Yeah. No way. <laughs> you just got you just got suckered. The thing with Harvey Weinstein is like you know some of the girls got <laughs> in the films, but you know the yeah. Um, but uh, I've also heard stories of casting directors, women casting oh. directors, uh, kind of using up the model. But you just don't hear the stories because the man is like, eh, you know, whatever. It's like a double standard. So it's true. You know, just take that L. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and move on with your life. <laughs> Different mindsets at times, at times. But yeah. things are are changing. But yeah, so. Um, I, I do, yeah. The the laughing butler is hilarious, and the fact that that's Reginald Hudlin's friend, you know, just somebody that's not even an actor, a news reporter, news reporter works for a news works for a newspaper. But Reginald, you could do this. Just come in, 
no rehearsal, just giggle and smirk at this dude. That is great, man. Because when you see his face, he's like, as like Eartha was laying her game on Marcus. And then Marcus catches the dude laughing at him. He like looks, he's like, <laughs> Eddie is great at reactions. <laughs> he is great at reactions. Like, hmm, what's this? Dude laughing at uh, uh, one of the memorable scenes is come on, Grace Jones's entrance. Boom, helicopter dropped in a shipping container, and she, she's riding this carriage and a chariot of men <laughs> pulling her. Oh, uh, she's like slapping them with the whip, like, <laughs> oh man, that Grace, was great. Grace Jones is, I mean, in the 80s and 90s, she was. And it's hard to describe. She was model, singer, actress, but whenever you saw her on screen, she was she would just owns it. Yeah. Her her presence, her mannerisms, whether it was interviews, she was just so out there and just Yeah. I mean, just powerful. Yes. Very memorable and was out there. Was wild, you know, like the character uh, that she's playing in this film is like kind of based is a caricature of her. Yeah, pretty much. And because I remember her telling, talking to the stories because she would dated Dolph Lundgren. Am I saying his name right? Dolph Lundgren, 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 something like that. Uh, but yeah, talking about their dating life and how wild that was, and how you know she popping up at his house, you know, I'm not noticing, just screaming and yelling in the hallway. I, and could, all. I could only imagine. Goodness gracious! Oh, they're so dramatic. But she's very apparently she's very family oriented, and apparently her dad was a preacher. She's a hmm. rogue PK. But if she, she would bring her mom along, she's got a, uh, there's a documentary, kind of the docu-series or something like that on Netflix with her, in it, or Netflix or HBO, I started watching some of it, and then I stopped, but I might revisit it. Mm, and it was just all her, all based on her life? Yeah. But, uh, another memorable scene is another Grace Jordan scene. I call it the Lloyd scene. Lloyd. Um, Lloyd being the chemist, and the chemist is like... Showing, uh, what is her name? It's not Grace Jones. Uh, her Strange. character, Strange. You know, he's showing her this perfume, and she's like, "I don't like it. I don't like it. I need it to be the essence of sex." And then he's like, "This is it." And then she takes off her no. panties, <laughs> and rubs it in his nose, face. right underneath his nostrils, oh, and then sets man. the panties on top of his head. Oh man! And when he just like storms out of there, and then you know Marcus runs after him, and like. Kind of gets him back, you know. Like, hey, man, come the on. In fact, he he tickles him. He just like pokes him a couple of times. Like, <laughs> Marcus, you're the devil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're the devil. But Marcus, he just knows. He literally knows the buttons to press to charm him. Like, come on, man. We gotta, we gotta get back in. We gotta do this. We gotta, you know, right. Just oh man, that yeah, that was again. And 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 Reginald talks about. You have to cast the right people, even in the smallest of roles, right. because Lloyd makes that scene. He makes True. it. He makes it work. That's his only scene in the movie. True, but that's all you need. It makes it. It ties it all together. His reaction, his, his being so offended, and but they, you know they come back in and then and yeah, it allow, but it allows Strange to shine even more. And yeah, man, that's that was great. Another another memorable scene is another Strange scene. Yep, in the restaurant. And she's arguing with Marcus. Basically, they're negotiating. She's trying to get him to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, what, what's the problem? No man can turn this down. And she shows her goods. Her goods to the public. 
She's not shy. At all. At all. No. <laughs> and then uh, Mark is like, you know what? She's like, what's wrong with you? You know, do you not like woman? And then, mm. and then like it pops in his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I don't like women. And then, <laughs> and then. She was like, you are not gay. My brother is gay. I know gay when I see it. Him. He is gay. Yeah. That man over there. He is gay. He is gay. <laughs> and then you cut to the guys and their faces when she's saying it. They look shocked. That's, that's one scene I do remember from when I first saw it. I heard just calling dudes out. And like, yeah. no, he is gay. No, he, he is gay. It was funny because she was like, you're not gay. You just don't want to F me. And as soon as she said that this Ooh. random guy with this eating soup spits out. spits out his soup. I was like, that just makes the scene even more hilarious. <laughs> the reactions. Or even when she's <laughs> saying the, the P word and yeah. she's like, and Mark's like, we're looking for a cat. Anybody seen a cat? And I was like, oh man. Uh, but Grace Jones, man, she was she was bringing it in this. She's pretty hilarious, over the top, but pretty hilarious. Well done. But even even one one in that same scene when the guy's offering them dessert, and he asks her if she wants dessert, and she she does this eye roll like she's she's. Frustrated, and she says that she's on a on a diet, but it's the the look that she gives. Yeah. She's, I am on a diet. It's, I don't know. I just I I loved her reaction, especially seeing a couple times. Like she's she's in it. She's locked in. Yeah, Grace Jones. Uh, another memorable scene. So again, Marcus being the the ladies' man. So he he's he's already slept with one woman who. Who uh, he 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 basically tricks into thinking that he's lost his dog Kirby. Yeah, and uh, that that woman ends up coming back to his place, and he plays super shy. Ends up sleeping with her, and when he is laying with her in the, in the early morning, he happens to pull up the covers and see her feet, and sees all these corns on her feet, and he's like so disgusted by that he actually slips out of bed to get away from her. Man, she reminds me uh, of Robin Givens in a way, like her look. Uh, she was in Harlem Nights. I can't remember the actress' name. She's still active. I just can't think of her name. Her name. She played what? Sunshine in Harlem Nights. Yeah, the woman of the night. Of the night. Uh, her name is uh, Layla Roshan. Layla Roshan. Yeah. Well done. She played the ditzy character just perfect. Mm-hmm. Gold star for Marcus. <laughs> That's a quote. <laughs> um. But so once he finally sleeps with Jacqueline, and same scenario that you know the 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 morning or night of, he slowly grabs the covers and tentatively, tentatively, anxiously pulls them pulls them up, sees her feet, perfect, beautiful, perfect, and he's 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 so happy, he's so pleased, he's you know, he's he's smiling and he does like this like double pat on her arm like. Yeah. All right, buddy. You know, like he's he's <laughs> well so done. happy. Yeah, exactly. Good job. Gold star for Jacqueline. <laughs> and so, yeah, no no hammer time on the feet. And um, and just giving a shout to all the the pretty ladies in this film representing for the the black culture. Oh wait, yes sir, yes sir. Gibbons, Holly Berry, Sean, what's her name? The, the Harlem Knights lady, Layla. Jones, <laughs> I, I've already looked. Layla, away from we you. go, Layla. That's fine. Yes, Layla. <laughs> uh, Grace Jones. I tell Grace you what. Jones, as, yeah. as I get older, I I've got an appreciation. There was some woman I would see when I was young, and I was like, oh, "That's too wild." But now I, I see like Grace Jones. You know, now I was like, mm, "She's too wild." But now I can appreciate her her beauty. 
her strong black beauty now oh, yeah. as an older man. Supermodel. You know, she definitely had all of the features and could fit the clothes. Dynamic. You know, because they had to be narrow. When you look at Robin Gibbons, like, she is super skinny. Like, yeah. narrow. Like, like what was beautiful then, around that 70, 80, 90 time? Oh, yeah. Just a different shape of woman these Being days. Being 70, 80, 90 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, this girl is little. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Any rate. Mm. Um, another memorable scene. Again, once when... Uh, when Marcus and Gerard and Tyler are all in the store and they're talking and they're looking at the clothing and mm-hmm. Tyler's like, oh man, Marcus, you know, I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to get this. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's like 1400 bucks or something like that. It's a pretty, yeah, what I think a pretty expensive piece of clothing. Yeah. And the store attendant is like, so, you know, you know, we, you know, that's a, what a yeah, that item costs X amount of Excuse me. The item costs X amount of dollars. We don't have a layaway plan. Yeah. We don't keep cash in the store. Like just. Yeah, just terrible. Demeaning, like profiling. And, 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 and Tyler already is highly, highly aware of, of any kind of racism. He, he, is, he is looking for it. He yeah, is ready. Sure. He's constantly analyzing it and breaking it down when he sees it. No, man, this is what's going on. But so, you know, he's already turned up from that. Right. But Marcus is. They all see it. They all recognize it. But Marcus is like, no, oh, man, he's got to play it cool. Some people are just like that. And so as they get ready to to leave the store, you know, he he, he really goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and the white guy freaks out, like jumps. He's like, see, he's scared just from a black man yelling in his ear. The guy's just on edge, and then he tries to compose himself. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, that experience is real. But like they, that's like one hint of racism and, you know, how you know, different people handle it. And they just kind of... Just move on. Like, all right, we'll take our business elsewhere. Yeah, they roll on. But it's it's it's, it's cool to see how they how they handle that. Yeah, definitely different perspective. You know, like I was saying, like upper middle class. You know, mm-hmm. survivor. Yes, sir. Um. Okay, another memorable scene. Oh, all right. Marcus is now actively dating Jacqueline. Yep, and was so desperate to get the second date and, and finally it's taking place. He's got tickets to, to a show. <laughs> He's got tickets to a show. And while he, he goes to the, to the window and asks what time it started and he can't get the ticket attendants attention. Yeah. And finally the, the guy, the guy's on the phone and finally he's like, yeah, what do you want? He's like, I'm so, I was wondering what time the show starts. It started 30 minutes ago. And he's like, Oh, you're very good at your job. He's like, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's clearly, not that good, but nonetheless. But anyway, so Marcus doesn't see Jacqueline. He finally goes home and he's calling all kinds of places because he doesn't know where she's at. He's really kind of bugging. He's calling nine one one. He's getting upset. Yeah. Finally, there's a knock at the door, and he cracks the door open, and you can see just one. This one eye. He's looking at her, and she's like, you know, he goes, "Oh, you finally showed up." And so he lets her in. She's being apologetic, saying how long her meetings ran, and she missed her flight, and on and on. He's getting on her about not calling. Mm-hmm. And finally getting to a point where it's like, well, yo, do you forgive me? And he's like, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm recognizing I'm being emotional and I think we should just drop it. He's like, well, I think you're saying you forgive me. And as she says that, she's, you know, it was raining outside and she has a raincoat on and she's slightly damp. And then she proceeds to open the raincoat and she has nothing on underneath but bra and panties. Ooh, wee! And like we said that she's, uh, 
a woman who was in shape mm-hmm. and she's got abs and and and, ev- and abs and everything and um yeah that that was memorable, memorable. <laughs> indeed but that i mean <laughs> that takes a that takes a lot of moxie confidence to actively leave your home <laughs> to stand in front of the mirror and say okay got my bra got my drawers got my stilettos let me put on my overcoat in in in, in raining weather <laughs> get in a taxi ride somewhere like you are freak dude um at least she's covered up um i just came from Kinda? a gas station oh whoa as to buy um, vitamin water <laughs> and the clothes that these ladies are wearing these days oh I literally saw someone wearing drawers no facts mm. actual underwear mm. a woman actual underwear I was like is this happening like I looked at another guy mm-hmm. and he looked at me and we were just confused I was like, they're breaking the rules. <laughs> like, you know, uh, uh, where's the hall monitor? What's, <laughs> is there a, a dress code or something? I was like, how is this happening? COVID, COVID messed, you know, kind of messed up people, people's sense of uh, social. Then there was another social. one. I saw another one. So, I mean, I mean, uh, oh, like they shouldn't be wearing these things. Uh, like, that, that, that's where it, like, mm. it like makes you want to throw up. Like mm. it's, uh, it's, they're not Robin Gibbons. Let's be considerate, ladies and gentlemen, before we go out and yeah. show out. Show our draws. But That's, I'm just saying, like, I don't I don't know. I didn't get the memo. They are called undergarments for a reason. I didn't know that it was acceptable. Like I was I was tripping, dude. I was like, they're wearing draws. It's a new day. I I, <laughs> I here, well here's my mm, philosophy. I, I uh, you know what? No, I'm gonna skip that. You gonna you know? I'm I'm going to <laughs> Landmine! Ah, no, going around. <laughs> I, I detect it. I'm going around. It was a feminist waiting. Mm. Yeah, I heard you. Uh, uh, you women, you know, help each other out. How about that? How about that? Speak to your sisters. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Just, you know. Draws. Straight up. They're, these were underwear. Are you bringing your best? Are you, are you representing your best self? Oh, man. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps you are. Maybe. But let's. I know, uh, I know. Some of the listeners have seen this before, but uh, I was startled. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen draws before. I've seen house shoes and flip flops, draws. Mm. Well, draws. I've seen this before, mm. uh, but not back to back. I saw it back to back today. Man, double time. <laughs> um, any? I got a few more, real quick. A few more fitting scenes. So when Marcus goes to the. The, the after school program with um, with Halle Berry's character mm-hmm. and the little girl is up there and she's I mean straight I mean that that was very much so that kind of started I think in the in the 80s I, I had a, I had a girl I went to elementary school with her name was Nicole and she was the first girl that I saw who would roll her neck and when she had a point to make yeah she would let you know she would pop the hip out hand on the hip and one finger waving I told you what I thought about that, and the head was gone. It was just boom, 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 boom. She was in your face. I hated. I hated that. I was like, 
so annoying. <laughs> but this little girl, she's there, and she's giving her points, and she's she's got the hands going, and everything, and then Eddie's right there, like, <laughs> like he's mimicking her, yeah, right? And then she turns, to look at him. He actually, he's not like he's not doing anything. That's that's pretty cute. And what else we got? Um, okay, so <laughs> when. You know, when um, Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving dinner is being held at Marcus's place, mm-hmm. and obviously Jonathan, Johnny Witherspoon shows up, and we'll get into his quote later on, but after everybody's eaten, you know, Marcus is talking with Gerard, Gerard's character, played by David Allen Greer, the great David Allen Greer. Yeah, genius. And the, yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're there talking, and all of a sudden, he's like, man, they, they've been there for, for, for damn near an hour. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... You know, they he goes, they're hitting it. And he goes, what? They're smoking a joint. Yeah. It's like, no, they're fucking. You know, like they're, they're having like they're ha- having sex. <laughs> and Marcus kind of laughs at the prospect, but then he sees Gerard's dad come out, and he he looks disheveled. Disheveled. Yeah, you that's exact <laughs> word. He looks disheveled. His coordinated outfit. He's putting his jacket on inside out. And he's like, what's what is that? Ooh. He was like burning up. And his his and then his mother just strolls out, cool, calm. Chewing her gum. Oh yeah, she's in a Zen place. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just have a cigarette, I think, too. Like she's she's good. Yeah. She's good. She's satiated. And <laughs> Marcus looks look looks at them walk away and he looks back at Gerard and he's like, wants to say something, but he does not have the words. And he tries again, no words. And then after a pause. He literally just reaches out to Gerard and just just gives him a hug, just embraces him. Right. It's it's hilarious to to see how that <laughs> unfolds. And and you know, props to David Allen Greer because he plays the straight man yeah. throughout this whole movie. Yes. And and he's he's brilliant at it. He mm-hmm. is just that, that that takes a certain strength to play the straight man because you allow others to get their stuff to bounce off you and it, it just enhances it enhances them. So kudos to David Allen Greer. Indeed. Um, okay, and then... I think the whole movie was memorable. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think we covered all the scenes. <laughs> yeah, actually, we, we did. Oh, wait, one more. One more. Because uh-huh. I mentioned one of the things being black friends. Yeah. So when Tyler arranges the little cookout to bring Marcus and Gerard back together. Yeah. And they go on the roof, and they and they make up as, as friends, and all three of them hug. That, that's cool to see because mm-hmm. things went south for a bit, but then they all become, excuse me, friends again at the end. So I'm like, all right, that's that's cool. And with that scene, we'll transition into tropes. Yo, group hug. Ah, how many times have you seen a group hug? Usually a trio mm. in a film. That's like a straight up trope. Absolutely. Uh, Seeing the the player act shy and innocent in order to get laid. No, oh. shy brother works every time. Five heartbeats. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of five heartbeats, did you notice that one of uh, Eartha Kitt's servants was was what was in the five heartbeats as well? He was he Flash. was he was Flash. Yeah, that's right. It was in Spike Lee's uh, uh, "She's Got to Have It" film, first film. Aha. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was uh, Flash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you ready? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to riff like me? You ain't gonna get it because you ain't 
take your boy to detox. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this. I, I wish. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we love The Five Hot Beats. Yes. One of the greatest movies of all time. I agree. Yes, sir. Uh, you got any of the tropes? No, it's all you. All right, so reconnecting with true love at the end of the film. Uh, sleeping with the with your friend's girl. Dang. Johnny Witherspoon smacking his lips and sucking on his fingers. And men talking about sex. Oh. How about that? Hmm. How about it? Quotes. Quotes. <laughs> this comes from Tisha Kimball. Mm. Character. I don't even know what her character's name is. Um, but she's the neighbors to Marcus' character. And then so she sees Marcus getting ready and she's yelling, ah, Yvonne. So, Yvonne, ah, that's right. So she was like, So who's the victim tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, this is the guy uh, talking to his, I assume his wife, when Marcus is trying to buy the leash off of them. Yeah. He's offering them money. Take it, fool. <laughs> Cut away good money. It was like $20 he offered him. Yeah, he was quick. Take it, fool. <laughs> Uh, and then Marcus once he gets into like his his uh, missing dog bit he's like he's all soft Kirby Kirby and then after um, the woman comes up to him and then she walks away he's like Kirby just just (laughs) yelling for this imaginary dog Kirbster (laughs) um what you know they come. All right, I'll, I'll jump in. Sorry, no, no worries. So this is this some, is from Marcus again. Because some of these quotes, like we've already kind of covered, so I'm, just, ah, I'm looking. I'm like, oh, we already said that. I got you. When Marcus is in the room with uh, Eartha Kitt's character, and she claps, claps to you know uses the clapper to make the lights go out, and he's like, "Can we make it just a little bit darker?" You know, <laughs> the screen is pitch black. Pitch black. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jacqueline tells Marcus once he's he's trying to spit his game she's like when I seduce you if I decide to seduce you you'll know it wow that's a that's a fire line from a strong woman so I have a quote it's like "Mm, simply delicious I don't know who delivered that line and I'm trying to remember what what context this is Mm, simply delicious mmm I, f- I feel like it was one of his one of his boys saying that either Martin Lawrence or or Marcus mm-hmm. that's what I feel would maybe say a line like that but I don't, I don't know where though I'm trying to think is it a meal anyhow not too much empty space but yeah mm. I, I, again, I've already said this line a couple times but Eartha Kit when when uh, well, throughout the time that that he's there at her house, she simply she refers to him Marcus. <laughs> and then the most the funniest one is when he's sitting at his desk and he looks up at her picture and he can hear her voice in his head, Marcus, and he shivers. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, man, it's like, the way it hits is just hilarious. It's one of those shivers too. Like if you see like a little kid that is eating like broccoli for the first time and they don't like it and mm. they have a shudder. It's like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> well, you know, you don't you know you done messed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, so this is Chris Rock's character, Skinny T. Like once once he hears about Marcus kind of being all sad, he's like, man, first the fat boys break up, but now this. Man. <laughs> man and that was that was improv. That line was improv as well. Chris Rock is he was he was fighting for his position. He's gonna get his lines in. Oh yeah. Yeah, making the most out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Of course, again, another th- line that I remembered so clear from this movie was John Witherspoon talking about his outfit. You got to coordinate, coordinate. Oh man, that was just uh, man, that was on it. He had a mushroom shirt, and then and then when he showed Marcus his outfit, he's like, "Yeah, just showing him the mushrooms on his belt." Then he go, "Jared, did you know your daddy had mushrooms on his belt?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you had a mushroom line jacket? Oh man, yeah. Yes. Mm. Uh, oh man. Yeah. The way that um they um uh John Weatherspoon, the way he eats is hilarious. Like he like had this little carry and he's like Again, him smacking his <laughs> lips and sucking on his fingers and almost every film he's gonna do him. Now what you need to do. You don't don't you know all day long, but it 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 works every time. Why don't you try to reverse it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need to, you need to reverse it. <laughs> reverse that. You need to whip you <laughs> bang bang. What you gotta do? Bang bang. <laughs> um mm, so when Marcus is trying to tell Gerard that he's Slept with uh, Halle Berry's character, which I need to remember her, her name. It is Angela. Ah. He's trying to tell him, and then and and Gerard says to him, "You can't even look me and look me in the eye, can you, Marcus?" Yeah, and that's like it gets like real, it's like yeah, kind of kind of cross the line there, buddy. You know? Absolutely, yeah. even yeah, because you know, you know, that he was trying. Yeah, he was trying. Slow but steady. He wasn't going to win that race, but yeah, you got to have that conversation. Beforehand, mm. like there's like guy code there, you know? and he was yeah yeah beforehand because yeah. see Marcus wants to like ask afterwards. It's like man, you should have just kept your mouth shut by that point. It'd have been better not to no. say anything or be or be more subtle about it. Like because yeah. he was asking like he could have just asked, hey, how are things going with you and so and so versus so is it cool? she is she seeing other people? You can go that route, but. But no. Nah, this is your guy I grew up with, so you got to keep it all the way 100. True, true. Um, yeah. I've had to have one of those conversations with with, yeah. a, with a Pierre. Yeah. So as, how are things, not after the fact, yeah. it was before. Hmm. So what's going on there? I mean, you know, everything fine. Okay. So the coast is clear. Hmm. Yeah, man, everything cool. So <laughs> great. Glad we had this conversation. I'll see you in a few. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> but I think this is appropriate behavior. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. No, if you're cool with it, but I mean, you know, anything can go to. It's mean streets out here. True, true. So at the very end of the film, when Marcus and Angela are, are walking off, and there's a woman walking by, and he's like, you better not be effing looking at her. And he's like, well, no, I wasn't looking at her. And there's another woman. He goes, I was looking at this woman over here walk, walking by, and, and she goes, that's you in a few years. He's like, he's, he, you see, she, you see, she's by herself. <laughs> uh, and just and that, that's again all this improv by Eddie. It's that's the way it just hits, you know. Because the mom, you got two kids. It was, you see, she's by herself. 
<laughs> and uh, Angela just reacts, but it's just you know it's a nice close to the to the film. Agreed, man. Um, do you have any questions? Yes. Any lingering questions? Here's a, here's a question. Is Angela a little bit uh, trifling for number one, sleeping with the boss's former lover, right. and also her suitor's best friend? Hmm. Hmm. Now we we easily look at Marcus and and he gets heat from Gerard, but. Angela knew that Marcus had been sleeping with Jacqueline and also knew that Marcus is Gerard's like his boy from from way back when and it takes two to tango and so she's you know jumping jumping right in there with throwing all caution to the wind mm. well I mean a little bit trifling, but I, it was very clear that she was like trying to shoot her shot at Marcus, you know, early on because she would just throw hints out there like, yeah, Jack, let me be there to see how he would react. Oh, yeah. You know, he even <laughs> confronts her like, why are you in my business? You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just saying, you know, so she's been trying. That's she's ain't got no game. That's and, the only difference. She like Jacqueline's got the game and trying is fine. But also, again, she's even though she says she's just friends with Gerard. Still, she's got to know that a man's pride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything goes. All is love and fair. And all is fair and love and war. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because now this is two love stories where we see the same woman kind of hook up with, with friends in the same circle. Because in Love Jones, we see Nia do the same thing with um, Darius. Uh, Bill Bellamy's character. I can't remember. In Hollywood. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and which is very. Like, who's the trifling one? Um, yeah, that one. I don't know. I would say, uh, yeah, Nina's a little more trifling mm. because um, everybody knew the situation, you know. Uh, yeah, and everybody kind of felt all hurt at the same time about the decision that Bill Bellamy's character did. Yeah, it made it awkward because they were like group of friends. Yeah. Whereas this, we have Jacqueline's not a friend; she's just a and she hasn't slept with Jared. That is true. And they have both firmly established that they're just they're friends just friends in front of the parents, in front of Marcus. Oh, so that is true. With that being said, it's just they've mm. kind of made it clear that this there's no they're they're friends and there's nothing else there. But Gerard wants he wants more. He hasn't been able to get there, but he if he had a chance, he would right. Yeah, and and if it wasn't if that vibe wasn't there, then Marcus wouldn't have felt so bad. Yep. But there was something eating at him. He he knew. Yeah. You said we just said we knew he he knew he had crossed the line, and so she she would have known that that there would be something that that he that uh, Gerard would be upset, particularly upset by it. So just 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 saying, players get chose. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the question that I have. Okay. Is, she know, might be just yeah, a little bit. She 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 gets she had off, a strategy. Yeah, she gets off scot free, but then she wants to get upset at him for then going and uh, I don't know. Uh, but Marcus is is he's 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 a dog, you know, early on. So yeah. it's interesting. It is. 
Yeah. And they're like in a, I guess, established relationship, you know, mm -hmm. at, at that time. Um, what kind of trivia? All right. Trivia. Um, Martin overheard about Tisha Campbell on set and hired her to play Gina in the show Martin. What? Yep. This is the movie that they, they made their professional personal connection through. What? Filmed all in New York. Hey. Um, there was a very expensive wardrobe budget. Oh, yeah. And um, the loft that they shot in was a real loft and a famous loft in New York. And I guess for like commercial shoots and things like that. So it was a very popular loft and mm. well-known. Grace Jones designed multiple outfits that she wore. And um, yeah, and the role was specifically written with her in mind. There is a nonprofit. It's called the Marcus Graham Project here in Dallas, Texas by Lincoln Steffens. And actually one of the ambassadors is Reginald Hudlin of the nonprofit and basically showing uh, African-Americans how to kind of get into the advertising world. And they have like a whole workshop and situation that's been going on for years, um, of course, based on this film. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Halle Berry's Korean line, when she's saying goodbye <laughs> to Gerard and then he's saying goodbye in different languages and she says, she spouts out the line in Korean that that meant, um, she says, um, I'm sorry, I, I, I shot you. I thought you were trying to rob my store. Mm. That got some a little bit of heat and controversy because it relates to what was happening in L.A. and the shooting of the young girl mm -hmm. uh, by the, uh, the store owners that kind of helped. That was one of the the kindling flames of the L.A. riots that took place after the Rodney King verdict. Oh, yeah. So that, that line caught a little bit of heat. The same editor as House Party edited this film. Again, Reginald bringing quite a few people over from House Party. Uh, speaking of Reginald, his mother, father, and brothers both, both appear in this film. His brother was with him in this scene when they're trying to sell Marcus the jewelry. He needs some gold. Oh, I'm and Marcus. Like, I'm good. I already got. Yeah, that's, that's a nice watch. Watch yourself. Watch your back. <laughs> um. No. Okay. No. That's if, that's all I have for trivia. The other stuff's already been mentioned. Uh, Reginald, he talked about the elevator scene with him and Rob with Marcus and um, Jacqueline. And, yeah. Um, that. That scene is stolen quite a bit in other films. And he's like, ah. you know, he's like, you know, kind of flattered by it. He's like, well, you know, you got to, he said, to the point where some lines are even stolen from that, uh, from that elevator uh, scene. But he's like, yeah, God knows I've stolen. So why not? Just keep it going. Kind of a little bit of an honor when people start. Yeah. Borrowing or stealing from things you've done. It's like, okay, it's a, it's a imitation being the most sincere form of flattery. I'm with it. Is that it for trivia? That's all I got. Now it's time for Filmmaker Tips. Two weeks of rehearsals was key to building teamwork and nailing the lines. If you are making a comedy, you have to create an environment that is fun on set. Agreed. Um, listen to the audience. So when they, did, of course, did a lot of screenings of this film, you know, to kind of narrow down and edit down the film so listen to the audience but don't be a slave to them like just don't do everything that they say do but yeah you need to do that so that um 
you can kind of get an energy or how they react to certain scenes. So the issue that they had, they had a different kind of issue. They shot so many. They were like spoils of riches, basically. They had so many great scenes, but they had to be cut down. And um, in order to do that, they had to play in front of the audience and kind of see which which scenes hit the most and what they had to get rid of. Exactly, exactly. So if you have to uh, make an attractive actor look less attractive, in particular uh, a female uh, actress, like in Halle Berry's case, one of the things you can do is to have them just a little more conservatively uh, in Halle's case, they they covered they covered up more of her cleavage cleavage early on in the film, and then as it progressed, she then wears things that are a little more revealing of her bustier. Yeah, man, because when you see her, there's a frame when they're in that party when they're welcoming Grace Jones' character. Stranger, stranger, uh, steal vagina <laughs> <laughs> after bath. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought you said after bath. No, Beth, B-I-R-T-H. It's English. (laughs) The fact she's, her breaking that down for him. Don't make fun of me. Pop. (laughs) She really popped him in the eye. And you can tell, too. It was sore. But he stayed in character, man. Eddie, man. Pro. Professional. No more money grabs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What were we talking about? Um, you mentioned something with Strong J as far as a director tip. I lost it. I'll see if it'll come back. I'll, I'll throw oh it my more. God. Uh, many women saw the movie and realized that Halle, that they were Halle Berry, but Robin Gibbons is who they want to be. That gives um, representation, but also it gives um, your viewers the fantasy. So they were able to get a bit of both. Saw them see themselves as Halle, see themselves as Angela, yeah, but wanting to be Jacqueline. Yeah, I definitely see that. That was like that was actually pretty cool to get that both in the psyche. That was good writing, um, yes, sir. But back to Strange. So it was Holly Berry and Robin Gibbons in that scene. You see, like Holly Berry. I was like, why does she not look like? Bam, you know, like uh, Holly Berry, like Holly Berry, <laughs> like everybody know Holly Berry. Like she's like, like that's synonymous with pretty looking woman Hollywood, like. Holly Berry. Her name is synonymous with that. She fine and she thick, just like Holly Berry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what? So like her, um, when you put her like what, next to Robin Gibbons, Robin Gibbons had like the red lipstick on, like the long hair popping out. She had the cleavage showing, but she's like a rail, you know what I mean? But she looks... Uh, like more sexy, she's, she's sexy in this in the shot. Next to her, you see Holly Berry, but she's got she's like all the way covered up. Is like she looks like like she's going to the like circus or something. She, she looks like a buddy. Like hey hey pal hey pal yeah she and looks even, even her, her makeup hair, mm-hmm. it was like toned down. She didn't have like red lipstick. It was like natural lipstick. It was like like man, how did they figure out how to? wasn't ugly. She just made it to where she doesn't stand out at all. She looks like she's she's. Just a coworker who's who's there, like she's. What's the term? Uh, yeah, she just is like a you know, uh, you know girl next door. Like, oh hey, how you doing? So and so. Yeah, because I mean, because Holly Berry's one bottom, hands down. Yes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But they did a good job though, just making her like tone, like you said, toning her down. Because they had to do that in. What's the movie Lucy where she had to Ah, 
Oh, making the losing, making it look like a crackhead. Now, exactly. Like, I remember them saying that. Like the, the trouble is trying to make Halle Berry look unattractive, yeah, so and ugly. Like a, they, they, a pretty crackhead. Yeah, that's a mighty attractive crackhead. <laughs> Are you sure you do crack? <laughs> um, I want these <laughs> Break yourself. <laughs> um. Okay, you already had mentioned that. Okay, so one of the things you want to do sometimes in film is put characters through the paces, and that's what they wanted to do with with Marcus's character in mm-hmm. the film. He, of course, goes from being uber confident to then kind of meeting his match, being challenged, and then having his whole the whole role reversed, where now he is he is chasing and pursuing a successful, powerful person. And even in the bedroom, like kind of being dominated, you notice that she's always on top, always on top of him when when they climax. She's always on top of him. So, yeah. but they put him to the paces. And even Eddie as an actor, like this is once again the, the most kind of most vulnerable we've seen him having to give out those different kinds of emotions. So, you know, um, it's okay to take an actor you haven't seen do certain things and and to uh, stretch them, expand them. So as I said earlier, like Eddie Murphy was always a hour late to the to the uh, call time when it's time to shoot so they gave so basically reginald had to be extra prepared mm-hmm. and uh so when they would bring you know they might he might have storyboarded the whole scene and things like that but you know it's like okay we're only going to do like three or four takes he already knew that you know especially with all those rehearsals all those rehearsals have allowed them to be able to be more like confident in the script and so when he gets there, it's like, you know what? We're just going to forget the way I storyboarded it. I'm In order to make it look different, I'm just going to switch lenses in this performance and try to get a different angle. That's it. That's, mm. that's, a, that's how you get a different... Um, that's how you get the different looks um, because in comedy, they're always improving. So since they're improving so much, it's like, you know, you know I got to still make it seem like it's part of the same shot. Exactly. Yeah, excellent. Um, so... Women judge movies by, excuse me, men judge movies by action scenes, typically. I was going to say typically. Men judge movies by action scenes, and women typically judge movies by hair and makeup. Reginald learned that during uh, the filming of this movie. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Mm. Also, whenever possible, Reginald Hudlin likes to will work with anybody who's worked with the Coen brothers. Say again. When possible, Reginald says he will work with anybody who has worked with the Cohen brothers. Why is that? I forgot why. Oh. I, yeah, I should have rewound that part, but I heard him say that. Uh-huh. I was like, huh, but that's what he said. Huh. You must look into this. Mm-hmm. That's all I have for filmmaker tips. Um. Okay, Um. here's my last one. Uh, continue to work through the script. Uh, that's where, because of doing the best where Reginald found that they had to make Marcus actively make a decision to reject Jacqueline. That, and the, originally, in the original version of the script, that didn't happen. I think the film may have ended, ended a little bit more ambiguously. Mm-hmm. But as working through it, um, they finally decided, as he was talking with somebody else, and it seems clear now, like a, like a no-brainer. Yeah. But that's why there's that scene where where Marcus and Jacqueline are, are getting ready to have sex again but before they engage he says no I, 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 I can't do it I can't be here and he actually actually leaves her 
And so that that's a big turning point, but that wasn't in the script originally. So keep working through, and you can find a better solution. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a cool turn. A realization of I'm in love. Ha ha! If you're so in love, then why are you here with me? Exactly. Exactly. Bounces. Uh, this is overall a good film. Great film. It yeah, it's black excellence. Like this is black excellence. I didn't expect to like it so much. Yeah, I don't know why why I waited so long to go back and revisit. I'm like, this is a hilarious film. It's it's well done. It's a great cast, and even people that I didn't know who they were at the time, as far as you know, their their rise to prominence. Uh, I mean, they really you know got a, a nice springboard out of this, and it's you know good message, and um, yeah, it's well done. Yeah, makes me look. F- you know, like want to dig through some more to see kind of some more like films because like the '90s. You know, we was trying to you know TV movies. We were pushing them out out there. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, what else is out there? I wonder. Uh huh. With commentary. But anyhow, that was Boomerang. What are we going to be diving into next week? Next week, we'll answer the question: What will you do, Hotshot, with the movie Speed? With Keanu Reeves. Ha ha. And Sandra Bullock. Yeah. And what? Dennis Hopper? I don't remember. I don't I don't think I even watched it. Mm. Um I just remember a bus. Yeah. That's the that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> you didn't know. How <laughs> to control bus. Ah, speed for five hundred. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us. Facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. You can find us on Twitter. He's at Reggie Titus. I'm at KCG Smith32. We're also on the gram at Filmmaker Commentary. Also on Instagram, he's at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. I'm at KCG Smith32. Until next time. Peace. Respect. <laughs>